Every year around the world, millions of people are leaving their homes to seek security and a better life. While this is a difficult decision for any individual, migration has also a wider impact at the global scale. It affects societies economically, socially, culturally, and not the least, politically. This podcast investigates the consequences of migration for the Eurasian development. The series of talks leads up to our online Alexandri conference organized in October. My name is Katalin Mikroshi. Welcome aboard. The Roma is the largest ethnic minority in Europe. About 6 million Roma are living in the European Union alone, many of them in dreadful circumstances. Today, I will speak with Anka Enake, a scholar from the University of Helsinki, who is studying the Eastern European Roma migrating to Nordic cities. Anka investigates the mechanisms of exclusion and inclusion. But apart from her scholarship, Anka also works for an organization providing community services for the homeless Eastern European Roma in Helsinki. Join me to this talk about the link between transnational mobility, ethnicity, and inequality. Anka, thank you for accepting my invitation. First, let's talk about your research. And if I understand correctly, in addition to your studies, you actually make a difference helping the migrant trauma in Helsinki. So please tell us more about your academic and practical work. Yes, so thank you very much for the invitation. I'm really happy to be to be with you. So um, yeah, uh, as you started to present, uh, I'm uh, doing my uh, PhD dissertation about exclusions and inclusions experienced by uh, Romanian Roma, especially in Helsinki. And I'll talk more about that soon. It's an ethnographic study. And then, I mean, my connection to the thesis and to this field of studies is related to the fact that about 10 years ago, I started to work with Diakonis Institute as an outreach worker uh, when they were providing so-called humanitarian services and support services for Eastern European Roma migrants in Helsinki. So uh, this is my connection to the empirical and ethnographic uh, encounters and contacts. I got to know many of the people uh, through that work. And actually right now I'm still working with Diakonis Foundation in Helsinki, but I work in the International Affairs Department. But still there is a connection to Eastern Europe and Roma. So we have several projects in uh, Moldova, Belarus, Ukraine, uh, and in Western Balkans, in Kosovo, and actually also in Romania and Bulgaria. And all these projects basically are uh, projects related to Roma communities and are implemented with Roma organizations in these countries. I think this is truly great how well your scholarship and your social work go together. I really envy you (laughs) how well these support each other. But now let's continue with your subject you investigate. When we look back to history, the Roma has been traditionally a mobile folk. In Eastern Europe, however, they have more or less settled during the communist era. Why are they now on the move again? 
And how do you explain why the Romanian and Bulgarian Roma are overrepresented in the Nordic countries in comparison, let's say, the Slovakian or Hungarian Roma who are mostly remained at home? Even though we consider their situation, they are definitely not better off nowadays, at least. So what are the special push factors in Romania and Bulgaria that cannot be found in other Eastern European countries? If I start from um, the idea of uh, mobilities and uh, nomadism, I I want to immediately say that um, there is lots of research data and evidence that uh, this idea of nomadism, some uh, historians call it the myth of nomadism, Uh, related to Roma communities has been very negative uh, and caused lots of control uh, from authorities and so on and assimilation policies uh, against Roma communities. So in a sense, I mean, mobility is, of course, like a past, there was a need to to move, to be able to generate income and to uh, have access to resources and so on. And Roma communities have, in most of the European countries, a history of being deprived from many resources. So anyway, I just want to mention that relating Roma to nomadism has been very harmful across history. And if we are thinking nowadays, I mean, like um, about present mobilities and migration, I, for example, in the case of Romania and Bulgaria, it's important not to kind of underline Roma mobilities as, you know, um, separate cases of mobilities. I mean, there is like very high migration from Romania, all in all, Romanian majority, so-called, and then uh, Roma minority communities. So, of course, each migration network and community migration has own characteristics because migrants have access to, to different resources and to, to different locations where their relatives go uh, and, and so on. But all in all, migration from Romania and Bulgaria inside the European Union, it's very high. And of course, it varies from different Romanian cities and different communities, like to which migration country or to which destination countries uh, people go. But um, also just I wanted to mention that in a sense, there is also like uh, evidence about this, that the fact that Roma migration and mobilities have been discussed as kind of uh, separate cases or exemplar it has also brought lots of stigma for the communities and most probably uh, has of course a, a negative effect in the destination countries usually in western societies but for example it's very relevant what you ask why from Romania and Bulgaria and not Slovakia and Hungary and so on so uh, it's just I think like generally in migration path of course it depends like to which countries migrants have relatives, connections. So basically, it's very like someone from the home locality, from the home village, it happened to have a connection to Finland. And then, of course, uh, relatives and friends from the same neighborhood came. And I think also, if you look like many of the people that I talked to throughout my research, it was not like Finland or other Nordic countries, their first destination. So once the communism uh, collapsed in the uh, in Romania, I mean, it was already then when they started to go to other countries. And of course, first it was like more like neighboring countries or then South Europe. 
And uh, then, of course, like um, South Europe had like a very difficult economic crisis and also more uh, more migrant communities and so kind of competition for economic resources. Uh, so then people were forced to find new destinations and different communities find different kind of destination. Like, for example, Slovakia and Roma, there is like research and we know that there are several uh, Slovakian Roma communities in England. It just happened that they had connection to England and so on. So, uh, yeah, it's really like, um, it depends like to which country they have the possibility, the connection to go. And then, of course, as I said, first destinations were South Europe, where languages are closer and so on. But then since there was an economic crisis, Nordic uh, countries became also more of a destination. That's really very interesting, and and uh, you explained very well why they left and how the destination was chosen. Uh, now, I would like to continue on this track. How would you describe the migrant Roman situation in the Nordic welfare societies when they finally got here? How were they received in comparison to to other migrants and? And not the least, how did the native Nordic Roma react to the Eastern European newcomers? So basically, uh, like in my work, in previous publications, and now uh, when I uh, uh, when I examine the exclusion and inclusion of Eastern European Roma in Finland and especially in Helsinki, I'm following basically 2008-2016, and uh, uh, also uh, the situation has changed during this time. It's quite interesting. So between 2008 and 2012, like the situation has been very like treated as a crisis situation. This is similar with what happens in other countries also. So then there was lots of discussion about uh, criminalizing begging and so on. And then, for example, if you look now, period that I don't even cover uh, anymore, like in the thesis, it's like some of the social and health rights have been extended in Helsinki, for example. So uh, uh, like uh, services in general for undocumented migrants have been extended. And then it means that also EU Roma as vulnerable EU Roma citizens have access to these services for undocumented people. But I mean, generally, I mean, actually, this is quite an interesting case in general. Uh, other researchers said it also, not me only, because I mean, uh, you know, as EU citizens, basically, uh, you have the right to stay in the country and in the city, but at the same time, you are denied from social economic rights, which are in the welfare states, like in Finland and in the Nordics, very important uh, and very characteristics, of course, of the local environment. Uh, because of that, of course, being denied from the social and economic rights, like uh, uh, Eastern European Roma have been homeless. Now this also has changed. There is an uh, access to an emergency shelter, night shelter, but they've been homeless. And then, of course, because like uh, because of the um, labor market, which has specific demands. And of course, and nowadays there is also more evidence that, of course, there is it's like a racialized labor market. So without language skills, being stigmatized as Roma beggar or Roma homeless is very difficult to access the labor market. So because of that, they have been uh, generating 
their income by begging, selling the uh, street uh, magazine and so on. So very precarious income generating activities. But I mean, so basically, in a sense, people are allowed to, to be present in the city, but then they have to face all kinds of situations, like, for example, having to make use of the public space to sleep, to generate income, to be. And of course, in relation to that, there are lots of things like also expulsions from public spaces, basically being asked to wake up during the night and leave the places and so on. This is one aspect. So these kind of new forms of inequalities and precarity for this group. And then at the same time, like new kind of rights arising, like different than the rights of the citizens. Because I mean, exactly like I was telling this right to health for undocumented people, which means like rights for pregnant women or for specific uh, issues. So it's kind of you are you don't have the rights of a permanent resident. Of a, or of a citizen, but there is like a new regime of rights for undocumented people. So yeah, it's very interesting. So not like being deported as in the case of other communities, but at the same time, basically an emerging new regime of rights. And of course, Roma migrants comparing to other migrant communities, of course, the thing is that they have been very stigmatized and they're present because of being so visible. <laughs> It has been like very, very stigmatized and because of that also maybe lack of access to, to spe specific services. But also you were mentioning like the Finnish Roma communities, but I also wanted to say that I interviewed in Helsinki like uh, people who live in the city and he help uh, basically so-called residents or citizens. So there are lots of, it's also interesting because there are lots of initiatives to help the homeless and precarious Roma migrants. So there's also lots of idea related to the welfare state and the need to help those who are in need. So there are um, initiatives from the citizens. And in regards to Finnish Roma, also maybe at the beginning, there is actually some research that in the first years, because this was so stigmatized and discussed in so negative terms and like uh, criminality uh, and, all, and all these issues, uh, maybe some of the Finnish Roma uh, uh, have felt, you know, that it's very negative to have again discuss a discussion about Roma through these terms. But like now, there is lots of also interactions, uh, and of course, they are also they are related to this uh, Roma belongings, but also maybe to other kind of belongings, like belonging to the same church, like Pentecostal church, and then of course there is like this civil society actors, Finnish Roma organizations and organizations that work with uh, Eastern European Roma and uh, Eastern European Roma themselves. So uh, there, there's quite much interaction. And also in that sense, like all these actors that try to help Eastern European Roma, there is also this idea of uh, making them citizens or anyway, uh, gaining rights, but also providing humanitarian like aid. Okay, I, I must ask a follow-up question here. Identity. Do they identify themselves as the Romanian Roma or Bulgarian Roma? So do they have a kind of national identity related ethnic identity or they, they see themselves as the white community of Roma? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is very interesting. And actually, my colleague also, Lydia Gripenberg, studied about that. But also what I noticed in my field work with the Romanian Roma, the national identity is very strong, at least in the context of uh, migration, basically, when they are in Helsinki, maybe if they would be 
uh, if we would discuss same questions when they are in Bulgaria or in, in Romania, of course, it would be different. But uh, I mean, they uh, distinguish very clearly between Bulgarian and Romanian Roma, and it's kind of even symbolic, you know, that Romanian Roma gather in a specific place in the city and Bulgarian Roma in another. This is not to say that in everyday life, there are also not interactions because, of course, when you uh, generate your income also in the city and you are using the same spaces, you are interacting and you have to interact. Of course, also in relation to Finnish Roma, for sure, it's emphasized the, uh, the, the, the citizenship, that they are Finnish Roma and citizens. So there is this kind of emphasizing uh, the country of origin. And then, of course, uh, this is also used sometimes as a strategy to escape stigma in relation to those who are not in relation to potential employers. So, for example, rather, uh, of course, you would say that you are uh, Romanian from Romania and so on, which is, yeah. Very understandable because people are so aware that being a Roma, it's it's very stigmatized and can basically act as a border. But also in general, when uh, people, uh, even in safe spaces, when people talk about the identity and even more, of course, there is this national but then also people identify with uh, locality from where they come from. And obviously they have relations with people who come from the same locality and so on. Okay. Uh You know, it's striking that this underlying contradiction that on the one hand, we are so proud of being a kind of Nordic welfare state, holding high human rights issues and open society. And then again, uh, we treat fellow European citizens uh, as we treat. But um, how about in the EU in general? So ever since 2010, there have been serious efforts and all kinds of framework programs aiming to accelerate the integration of the Roma. How do you evaluate the effects of these policies? Is the situation improved? Are the objectives met? Especially regarding the education of Roma children, which is the future of the community. So you, you are very right. So there has been a first Roma EU strategy. And then now actually the new one was just basically started and published. And also the first strategy was evaluated. And uh, I think one thing is, of course, that at the same time, it's very important to have a EU strategy, but it's very difficult because circumstances and issues that could be improved are in a way so localized and so different from community to community. So it's kind of difficult in that sense. But also there has been um, criticism also from researchers and so on that, you know, the focus of the previous strategy has been very much on social inclusion. And this also, in a sense, stigmatized uh, Roma communities, or there has been kind of this idea that how to integrate the specific uh, group, kind of, and how to find something that fits everyone. And, uh, and, so, and now in the new strategy, maybe more the focus is also on anti-discrimination measures and also like uh, involving more Roma in the process and not just kind of having this outside process. Then, of course, there is also this discussion that um, 
in a sense, you know, also in relation to Eastern European countries and actually also in relation to accessing countries or basically like Ukraine or this like EU uh, exercised power. So it's like an outsized force and this kind of colonialism idea that EU is imposing to you to basically, and, and also in a way stigmatizing these countries that they don't take care of the Roma issues. So there are uh, many complexities like that. And of course, maybe a lack of political will and how uh, basically the relations between majority and Roma communities in, uh, in uh, Eastern Europe, this is also a big issue. But And of course, like the issue of social and economic rights and uh, health rights in these countries, because of course, if you have a, a better like social, economic, and generally uh, also anti-discrimination and so on measures, of course, they will also have an effect, positive effect on the most precarious who are very often Roma. Okay, my last question. Let's imagine that you have all the power in the world to change the situation of the Roma. So what would you do? Where would you start? How would you solve the problem? Yeah, yeah, I'm for sure I don't have a solution. And also like in uh, my work when I'm just thinking about very localized and very like I, I see some things that uh, uh, happen in the lives of some people and so on. It's very difficult to generalize. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but um, I mean, but of course you can see some issues that for sure. And there is uh, already knowledge and research that, uh, you know, Roma communities uh, have been very much racialized and this uh, racism of course and stigma attached to Roma communities really has to be taken seriously and uh, actually we also just published uh, with this organization from Romania eRomnia and uh, uh, with researchers from Romania something on intersectional discrimination and I mean the uh, uh, issue with discrimination against Roma communities is that it's lifelong I mean like same person experienced like throughout the life so often discriminatory situation and then very much this kind of everyday racism so of course you know it's impossible to get employed it's impossible to finish your uh, education to attend education and actually also in this study and otherwise you know it was a study about Roma women and discrimination and basically the school is the first place where Roma girls understood that being Roma, it means for the majority population something negative and wrong. So it was for the first place where they understood that their identity is a problem for the majority population. So obviously you can't do your studies. You cannot, I mean, you, you and you, of course, and communities actually find lots of ways to survive, but you cannot basically be part of this formal education and so on. So for sure, uh, racism uh, and stigma attached to the communities, it's a huge uh, problem and affects all areas of lives, of course, education, employment, housing, everything. And then this, and then of course the um, uh, access to social, economic, and so on rights in, uh, has a good impact always because if you don't have a place where to to sleep, of course it's impossible to. Uh, so kind of very strong uh, social policy and uh, anti-discrimination policy for sure are very important. You know, it's it's really amazing that communism collapsed over thirty years. And we are still having this problem. So it seems that it is going really nowhere or just uh, very small steps towards improving perhaps 
Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's yeah, and hiking. I, yes, and it's also, I mean, well, obviously, in the uh, context of market economy and neoliberal market economy, actually, there are new challenges and new issues for the communities. So it's difficult in a different way, basically. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Anka, for this truly fascinating and thought-provoking conversation. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you very much. Thank you.